Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the King's House Podcast. We are a non-denominational church located in McAuster, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe that church is not just something you go to, but it's a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until family is there, then that house becomes a home. So today, we want to say welcome home as we jump into today's service. Good morning, King's House. How is everyone? It is so wonderful to see you all here today. Hey, listen, we are in for a very, very special treat this morning. Uh, But before we get to that, if you weren't here Wednesday night, I am just asking you, challenging you, begging you to go watch the sermon from Pastor Frankie Wednesday night. I'm telling you, I've been in church uh, for 37 years. I have heard a lot of sermons. That's probably far and away one of the best sermons I've ever heard on the Holy Spirit, on the fruits of the Spirit. I mean, it, it changed me, King South. So I, I, I just, I want it to change you. And uh, man, we've had an amazing weekend with Pastor Frankie. And uh, my spirit is just, uh, it's alive this morning. I have some anticipation and some expectation that God is doing something so special in the King's house. And, and I just trust that he's going to do something incredible this morning. So, so if you would, King's house, would you just stand to your feet this morning? Put your hands together for the one, the only, Pastor Frankie Powell. I'll give it up for Jesus. Can we do that? Come on. And then give it up for your pastors. Can you do that? Yeah, come on, make some noise. All right, high five, air bump, do something to somebody and say, you're the best looking thing I've seen today. Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm excited to be here again this morning. And I love your pastors. I love uh, Pastor Mark and Pastor Eric and their incredible courage, faith, and wisdom as they have walked all of us through one of the most difficult seasons of our entire lifetime. And they did it with integrity and they did it with faith. And I believe the fruit of it is you sitting in this room this morning. Look around this place today. Come on, give God a great big hand for that. Amen. And I, I, I tell you, I'll stand here before you. I was with you in June, and I can truly say I'm more of a man today than I was in June when I was here with you. Uh, yeah, I've picked up 20 pounds because of Corona. Come on, somebody. And uh, I thought I was hiding it pretty well till last night. We went in and uh, had dinner last night at, uh, at, uh, at Chili's, I believe it was, and we come out, and when we come out, the, uh, the vehicle next to us had kind of parked kind of close to us. And, and so I, I thought I could get through there okay, but uh, Pastor Erica, she walked up, and she opened the door, and she said, Pastor Frankie, you may want to go and get in on the other side. <laughs> Instantly, I realized I hadn't kept it such a good secret. Y'all don't tell Pastor Erica I said that either, amen? Come on, somebody. Well, I, I really just want to share some things with you that I really feel that, uh, that the Spirit of God's been speaking to my heart about you here at King's House and just been in great anticipation. Before I do, I want to tell you something about my mother. My mother is uh, 92 years old. She turned 92 in December. That's my mom. And uh, she still lives by herself, drives her own car, uh, does all of her shopping, handles her own money. Of course, we get calls every now and then from people in the town telling us how she pulled out in front of them or nearly ran them off the road. But anyway, that's, she's 92. And back in uh, August of 2020, uh, she had an endoscopy, just a routine checkup, and, and they discovered bone cancer in her stomach. And... Um, so we got the results, and, uh, and they said because of the type of cancer it was, that, that meant it was other places in her body. And so uh, they wanted to do a PET scan, and they did a PET scan. We went to see the oncologist, and, and uh, he told, showed us the PET scan, showed the cancer in her stomach. But he said, it's unusual that it didn't show up in your bone structure. We're going to need to do a bone marrow biopsy, which is a painful procedure, especially for someone at her age. And so they, they scheduled that for about two weeks away. And 
One Sunday morning, uh, she was in church. Her little church runs about 50 people, and she was in church. And I happened to be with her that morning on purpose because, you know, we just kind of didn't know what was coming ahead. And so I, I had a Sunday off, and so I'm standing there with her. And we're, we're in worship just like we were this morning. Nothing uh, dramatic happened. Uh, nothing, uh, nobody prayed for her or laid hands on her. All of a sudden, she just kind of looks up at me and, and very quietly while the music's playing, she says, I believe God just healed me. And, of course, I patted her on the back, you know, and said, yes, Mom, you know. I was man, God's man of faith, you know. And, uh, and so they did the bone marrow biopsy. And later we went back to the doctor, and the doctor said, uh, said well, it's unusual. said, we could, we could find no cancer in your bone marrow structure whatsoever. Said, but, but after all, we did find it in your stomach, so we need to do some radiation. We're going to send you to a radiologist. And so my mother commenced to tell this doctor that she didn't need radiology and she didn't need anything else, that God had healed her. And, of course, he kind of looked at her, grabbed her little hands and said, that's wonderful. She said, well, I, I, need, I need the doctor to do another endoscopy and prove that God has healed me. And she said, I can't afford that, and I need you to order it so I can, my insurance will pay for it. And he's kind of looking at her with eyes wide open, and he stands up, and he says, I tell you what, says, you, you go on home, and I'll call your doctor. And so two weeks later, they ordered another endoscopy, and, and that they did that endoscopy, and about two days later, that that uh, cancer doctor called my mother and said, well, Mrs. Powell said, I don't understand it, but you're right. I'm looking at your first biopsy and your first endoscopy, and you had bone cancer. But he said, I'm looking at the one we just did two days ago, and there is nothing there. Come on, somebody. Come on, let's give God praise for that. Come on, God is a great big God. God is a great big God. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, I just want to tell you that, that God is still doing supernatural things at unexpected moments that we cannot understand and the doctors cannot define. And I say that because I want you to understand that could be you today. And it couldn't just be cancer, but it could be the most impossible situation Maybe like me, mom's 92, she's got to go sometime, I figured this was it. But she said, no, my God is bigger than that. You serve a big God, a God of the impossible. God's always done that. God's always chosen times. He knew them from the beginning. He knew when Jesus would be born on this earth 2,000 years ago. For 4,000 years, people had looked for him, but God knew the time that he would do it. 33 and a half years later, God knew there would come a day in an upper room in Jerusalem where the Spirit of God would fill those who had followed Jesus Christ and the church would be birthed and born. The church that, that you and I are a part of today began that day 2,000 years ago. We would call it a revival. We, would, we, would, we might even call it a resurgence of God moving in the earth. When God picks out a time and a place and he begins to move by his spirit in the hearts of men and women, ordinary people just like you and I. And suddenly something happens in our lives, and, and, and it's like a relaunch. And, and I want to just tell you, I believe you, King's House, I believe we today are in such a time as that, a time set apart. We've been shut down, but I, I believe it's time for a relaunch and that God is literally getting you and I ready because he's moving in this whole region and he's going to use you and I. He's going to let you and I be caught up in something he's been planning for thousands of years. We were born for this moment. We were made for this. It's a time when, when there's 
actually a, an upswing of religious or I like to say spiritual fervor as God supernaturally begins to cause our faith to rise, our passion to grow, and our hunger to become greater for something more, something greater than what we've ever experienced in our life. And I sense that hunger all over this room today. And I wonder, I wonder in this stirring that God won't interrupt some of our plans, that, you know, that God won't intervene in some of the chaos of our lives, that, that God won't kind of in, intrude into our ordinary lives because he'll meet the hunger on the inside of us. I've seen it done throughout history. You can read about what they call these revivals, these seasons of God moving in unexpected and different supernatural ways. They've been called manifestations of God's presence. They've been called divine visitations. It really doesn't matter what you call it. I think we grasp to try to explain a supernatural God with our peon brains. Come on, somebody. But I don't care if I can figure it out. I don't even care if I can define it. I know I want to be a part of what God is doing in 2021 in this region of Oklahoma. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so I've asked God, you know, I, I sense it. I say, God, what are we to look for? How are we to respond? Well, how will we know? And and I don't know, you may, you may go through and, and read history. You, you may be one of those history buffs. But, you know, I think about the conditions when God uh, did something like this. The very first church was born at a time when God's people was under the oppression of the Roman government. Nero was ruling, one of the, one of the most ungodly, wicked rulers of all time. The church had dried up and become nothing more than a religious organization going through forms and rituals. And it looked impossible. There was persecution. There was oppression. But you know what? God loves to show up in the midst of moments like that and do the unexpected. In fact, if you read history, really, it was the greatest revival of all time. Just read through the book of Acts and watch how God started in one city in Jerusalem and took the name of Jesus all over the known world without television, without cell phones, without YouTube, without the Internet. I mean, God did it supernaturally through men and women just like you and I. In fact, today, the greatest revival on this planet, everybody, right now, is taking place in a country called China where there's an underground church where 30,000 people are coming to know Jesus Christ every day. I say, God, if you can do it in China, you can do it in McAllister, Oklahoma. Can I have an amen, everybody? I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for that in my life, and I believe you are too. But it comes in different ways. Jesus died. He rose again. And he, he kind of popped in and out of walls and met with his disciples before he ascended back into heaven. And one day when he was meeting with them, well, let's read it out of the book of Acts, chapter number 1, verses 6 through 8. It says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, I love this, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? In other words, they wanted Jesus to overthrow Rome, and they wanted a political revolution, and they wanted their nation to become the greatest nation of all. In other words, they said, now are you going to get rid of all of our enemies and let us be the leaders in the world again? Look what Jesus said. Look how he responded. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, don't worry about all that. Here's what I want you to concentrate on. But you, everybody shout, but you. Here, here's what's going to happen with you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In other words, God said, don't worry about kings and kingdoms. Don't worry about ruling authority. He said, no, I want to use you to shake up this world and bring in the presence of God to the entire earth. So what will it look like? What will it sound like? How will we know and experience? And I believe we're, we're in it, in the middle of it. How do we know that? 
Well, can I give you four quick ways that I believe we know it? And the first one is found in the book of Acts again, chapter number 2, verse 14. Look what it says. Then Peter stood up with the 11. Now, before I finish that verse, everybody shout, Peter. Now, I don't know if y'all know who Peter was, you know, but Peter was the guy that just, just 50 days before this verse, he had denied Jesus Christ. He was a fisherman that tried to follow Jesus in his own strength, and he kept, he kept shooting off his mouth while his brain was in neutral. Come on, everybody. He'd get mad and throw a fit, tried to kill a guy one day in the garden, and, and now here he stands up. He was afraid to even admit he knew Jesus. But once the power of God began to touch his life and, and he got caught up realizing that God wants to use me in this hour, it says then Peter stood up and he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. In other words, here's how I believe we're going to know. Because preachers are going to become like prophets. I don't mean like prophets that's telling us what's coming in the future. I mean just like P Peter. They've been with Jesus. They have experienced the power of God. And suddenly they start preaching differently. They start talking like they've been with God and they're hearing from God, and that they're showing us exactly what God is wanting to do in our lives today, right now. Kind of like, kind of like what's been going on at the king's house over the last few weeks as Pastor Mark began to speak about, are you a follower? Are you a fan? Can you agree something's happening in Pastor Mark's life? Can you agree that the preacher has become like a prophet and he's speaking? And can you agree, can you agree as we sat here week after week, more than what we heard as he preached, it was something we felt as he preached and challenged us. It was more like it wasn't just our pastor talking to us, but it was God shaking us, awakening us, and calling us to be involved in what he's doing in the earth. Come on, somebody. I mean, I mean, God loves to use the people that nobody else would expect God would use. If you look at Peter, I mean, come on. If you look at John the Baptist, I mean, I mean, people, people didn't even know he was. He wasn't in the church. He was out by a river. I mean, even Jesus himself, he wasn't a Levite. He wasn't a priest. He, he, he was born of a virgin. I mean, every, I mean, he had rumors going on about him. Come on, somebody. He was from a little old small town called Mac, I mean, called Bethlehem. But God used Jesus. In fact, in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 4, verse 13, I love this verse because everywhere these men went, this is what was said about them. Look what it says. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained. Everybody say those two words with me. Uneducated and untrained. Come on, say it again. Uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. In other words, these weren't what we're used to listening to. This is kind of like that carpenter that died on the cross and there's something different about these. Listen to me today, King's House. I believe God is moving in the hearts of men and women, ordinary men and women, just like you and I. I call them the uns. The uns, the uneducated, the untrained, but th there's some more uns. The unnamed, the unnoticed, the unknown, the unexpected, the unlikely. But they're also unintimidated, unafraid, uncompromising. And I believe that God is stirring our hearts right now. And, and, and we're going to begin to arise with unusual gifts and, and, and unexpected talents. And that God wants to use you and I to do the unprecedented and to accomplish the unpredictable. Until God, through ordinary men and women like you and I, begin to rewrite destinies and alter futures. And bring men and women to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and ultimately, right here from McAllister, Oklahoma, God will use us to change the world.
How many of you want to be a world changer today? Well, the second thing I believe will be a sign is that church will become a crusade. Look, look at this verse of Scripture in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And let, let me explain it to you a little bit. Peter and John had been beaten for preaching the gospel. And then they had been released and told, don't you preach anymore. And the Bible says they went back to their church. Maybe it was the king's house of the first century. I don't know. but They went back to their church. And they told them what all was happening to them. And, and you know what they said to me? They said, we need to have a prayer meeting. Everybody shout prayer meeting. Listen to me, King's House. Prayer meetings are on their way back. Come on. Because we realize we're not just part of a church. We're, we're part of a crusade. We're a part of a battlefield. I mean, listen, we're on a mission from heaven. We're not here to fit in. We're here to take over somebody. God's wanting to use and I, use you and I to shift our culture. He wants you and I to light up the darkness. He wants you and I to change the world. And it says, it says about these men, once they started praying, it said after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They didn't back up. They stepped up and stood out and carried on with the mission God had given them to do. I need to, I need to warn you, King's House, the days of church being a crutch just to prop you up is over. Come on, somebody. This, this, this is, this is not a, this is not a, a place to, to coddle you. The church is not a pacifier to get you from one week to the next. Can I have an amen? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Listen to me, everybody. He turns bones into armies and graves into gardens. God, God is not backing up. God is not afraid. God is not intimidated. God is not confused. No, he looks down at you and I, and he says, I can take those people right there, and I can shake the world with those people. We got to realize when we walk in this place, hey, we're not here just to sing some pretty songs and hear a nice little message. No, we are here to get our marching orders because we are the children of God. Listen, what we're in is an unrelenting struggle. It's an unabating conflict, but we have an undeniable cause. And let me tell you what that cause is. For everyone in this room, for everyone in this room to see that we're a part of the army of God. And you know what our mission is? It is to bring every one of our family members, every one of our friends, and even every one of our foes to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ where he can change them and save them and redeem them and call them and use them in the army of God. We'll see. Preachers are going to become like prophets, and church is going to become like a crusade. I've, I've had the opportunity, it's a rare opportunity, but I've had the opportunity to visit 46 countries of the world. I went into Pakistan, one of the most Islamic nations of our world, a, a, a very, a very anti-Christian nation. And yet in the nation of Pakistan, I was, I, I was ushered around in a van with curtains and two guys with AK-47s. Come on, everybody. But when I would get in a meeting, sometimes outdoors where everybody had to walk through a metal detector to make sure I was going to be okay. But yet I would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every time I would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, those Muslims that everybody believes God can't save, they would give their heart to Jesus Christ. Tears flowing down their face. Come on, somebody. That's what God has the church doing. We're on a crusade. Over in India, I was visiting India. And over in India, they have, they have 12 total eclipses of the moon every year, one every month. And, and they, act, they actually, uh, uh, the witch doctors and the people that, that, that serve the devil, they actually use that night every year to hold meetings and they pray for God to fill them with demon spirits. I mean, it's a, very, it's a very unique thing. They actually call it full moon. You can look it up on Google, but it, full, it means just the opposite. It means there's no moon for 24 hours. I met a pastor there. He said, listen, we're not going to sit around and let the devil take over our city. 
So he started on that same night, he started having church out in the streets. It started with about 500 people. By the time I got there, there was about 10,000 people filling the streets. They'd start at 6 o'clock at night. I got to preach about 11 p.m. one night. And as I was preaching the gospel, listen to me, it may sound weird to you, but I was preaching the gospel. People were yelling and they were screaming, but they would come down running. I, I was thinking they was coming after me, but they would come running and fall and cry out and give their hearts to Jesus Christ. They would do that all night long until the next morning. And in India today, in that city, there is great revival. The church didn't back up. The church took over because church becomes a crusade when God begins to move. Let me tell you one more. I got to hurry. I was in Uganda and we were preaching a crusade literally in a garbage dump. It was a garbage dump. And, uh, and this was in 2000. There was a, a lady laying on the side of the road where we would pull in every day. And uh, she was dying of gangrene. And there would be two policemen standing beside her. And we asked, you know, we, we were not from there. And they said, well, there's no cure for her. She will die. And then a dump truck will come by and pick up dead bodies. And they'll take them off. And so, you know, we prayed. We didn't touch them or get out, but we just prayed, asked God to bless that lady and heal that lady. And one night I'm up on the, up on the platform and I'm preaching. Muslims are everywhere and Christians are everywhere. And I'm preaching the gospel. I'm just preaching. I'm preaching a salvation message. When suddenly I look to my left, there's a bunch of noise. There's a bunch of yelling and clapping and screaming. And all of a sudden I look and up on that platform comes those two policemen and that lady. Tears are running down all three of them's face. They had to get interpreters. Those policemen wanted to give their life to Jesus because they had never seen such a thing. That lady was totally healed from the top of her head to the sole of her feet. Why? Because they decided we're not going to just have church. We're going to have a crusade. Not only do preachers become like prophets and church will become a crusade, but the third one is this. Members become the ministers. Look at Acts chapter 8. There was a man named Philip. He was just a deacon in the church. Everybody say a deacon. I don't know what kind of deacons you grew up with. I, I grew up with a different kind of deacon than Philip. Come on. I, I used to see churches that were deacon-possessed, amen. Yeah, I can tell some of you grew up in them churches. Deacon was just a, Philip was just a deacon. But see, he got, he got caught in a move of God where, where the Spirit of the Lord was moving in the lives of people and God was on a mission. Remember God said, You'll be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in all Samaria. And look at Philip, this ordinary guy. Verse number 5, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Not the pastor, not the apostle, not the prophet, not the bishop. No, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And if you'll read the story, people were saved, people were healed, demons were cast out of people, and people were baptized in water and filled with the power of God. The Bible says the whole city came to Jesus and there was great joy in the city. I don't know about you, but I want to see great joy in McAllister. I want to see it because people are being healed and people are being saved and people are being filled with the power of God. That's what God wants to do. That's what God is doing. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of it. How many of you want to be a part of what God is doing? Now listen to me. Listen to me. I thank God we have ministers all in this church. They're back there changing diapers right now. Come on, somebody. They're taking care of your little devil, I mean your little angels back in. They opened the front doors for you. They sung on the platform. They're running the sound booth. They're putting up my scriptures for me. All of that is ministry, but that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm not talking about ministry that happens inside this church. Listen, God wants you to understand today. I believe the voice of the Spirit of God is speaking to you right now in the chair you're sitting in. That God is wanting you to rise up and become a minister. Oh, you don't have to preach on a platform like me. But God wants to send you to your job. You're not there just to make a living. 
You're not there just to pay your house payment. You may think you got that job on your own, but what God wants you to understand is God maneuvered you. He ordered your step. He opened that door, and he placed you right where he wanted you to be for just a, such a moment as this. You say, well, it's been pretty bad. It's been kind of ordinary. Of course it has. Of course it has. God's been waiting for this moment. He's been getting you ready, and now's the time that you see your job. You see your workplace as your worship place. You see your workplace as a mission field. You let your light shine. You live the way that Pastor Mark has been challenging us to live. You'll become different in the eyes of people. God will open doors for you to share Jesus. I tell you what would be wonderful is when those you work with that you once couldn't stand start showing up on the seat beside you on Sunday morning at the king's house. And when Pastor Mark gives the invitation, their hand goes up, tears fall, and you see that God used you to bring your friends to Jesus Christ. I don't know how you think you got where you lived. I, it may have been your dream home, but what God wants you to know is he put you in that neighborhood. You're not that smart. You're not that good. God put you there. You're not that talented. Listen to me. God put you there. There's a scripture in the book of Joshua where God was sending the children of Israel into the promised land. And he told them, he said this, every place the sole of your foot rests upon belongs to you. Listen to me this morning, King's house. God, God just wants you to trust him and obey him and dare to believe him. You don't have to knock on a door. You don't have to leave tracks in their mailboxes. God just says, look, when you get home in the afternoon, just, just walk your neighborhood. Just walk down the street. Look at the yards. Look at the houses. If there's toys in the yards, that'll tell you children live there. If there's several cars, that'll tell you teenagers live there. Can I have an amen? They need prayer. You start believing God. God, you put me on this block. You put me in this neighborhood. I'm claiming this neighborhood for Christ. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care how it feels. I don't care how loud their music is on Friday night when they're having their beer parties and keeping me up all night. Instead of getting mad, I'm going to pray for them. You said every place the sole of my foot rests upon belongs to me. God, you said in a move of God, members will become ministers. I want to become a minister. See, Peter, Peter was a businessman. He had a boat. He was a fisherman. But one day Jesus said, I want to use your boat for my business. What would it, what would it be like, you that, that run a business, own a business, what would it be like if you invited Jesus, use my business for your business? And suddenly, you begin to say, God, it's okay. If you want to move in my business, if you want to use my business to build the kingdom of God, I want Jesus in my boat. Here's the last thing. And I believe the greatest thing that we know we're caught up in a move of the presence of God is sinners will become saints. People will bow their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and listen to me, this is important. Because I'm, I'm talking as, as I was praying for this moment. As I was praying for you. I began to, I began to sense what all of us have. There's not a person in this room don't have somebody in your family. You think they're so far from God, they'll never come to Jesus. You got friends that way. You work with people. You think there's no way they'll ever come to Jesus. There was this man named Saul. He was from a city named Tarsus. He hated Christians. He hated the church so bad that he was arresting them. He was putting them in prison. He was having them beaten. He was even having them stoned to death. That's how much he hated Christianity. One day he got orders to go to a city called Damascus so that he could imprison Christians. And while he was on his way to Damascus, he come in contact and experienced the presence of God. And God knocked him off his horse. In fact, that very, that very story is where we get the phrase today, get knocked off your high horse. 
I know you got some people in your life that you say they're just on a high horse. They'll never humiliate, humble themselves. They'll never give their lives to Jesus. I believe God sent me here today to tell you if God can knock Saul off his horse, listen what Saul said in, in, in Acts chapter 9, verse 6. Look what he says. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. I don't care how addicted to drugs they are. I don't care how addicted to gambling they are. I don't care how mean, how abusive, how wicked, how vulgar, how far from God they are. God can knock them off their horse. All he needs is for someone in this room today to decide, God, I'm not going to quit praying for them. I'm not going to quit loving them, and I'm not going to give up on them. In fact, God, I'm going to pray you knock them off their horse. You may knock them off in the middle of the night. You may knock them off in the middle of the day. But God, when you knock them off, let them lift their eyes to Jesus and say, what would you have me to do? And it'll happen like with my mama when it's very unexpected. One night, about 20 years ago, we were having a baptism service. I had it all planned out. We were going to open the service with 15 minutes of worship, Pastor Mark. That would give me time to get in the baptistry. We were going to baptize 36 people. I had even practiced how quick I could, without it looking like I was ducking them fast, how quick I could baptize them and get them out. I figured I could baptize 36 people in 30 minutes. They'd sing two more songs, give me time, put on some dry clothes, and I could be in the pulpit by 7 o'clock. We had it cleanly planned out. After about 36, they say, there's, there's a line out here to be baptized. I said, what? They said, there's a line out here to be baptized. To make a long story short, I got in that baptistry, started baptizing at 6.15. At a quarter till midnight, I had baptized 255 people. Now, wait, 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 wait. This is, this is Frankie. Now, I've been around long enough. This, this is just me. We didn't, have, we didn't have 150 people in the church when we started. But during the night, this is what I discovered. That they're telling me. God just began to move. It was unexpected. People started getting up. This was before cell phones were used like they are today. People started getting up, getting in their cars, riding to their cousin's house, rising to, riding to their next door, weeping and crying with a burden to see them saved, knocked on the door, and there was something so different about them. The people followed them back to the church. They would bring them in the door. I'm up there baptizing. They would get them saved down in front of the church and then bring them around and baptize them. And that night, over 200 people gave their heart to Jesus Christ. And we didn't even know what was happening. I'm telling you, everybody, expect the unexpected. All God's asking is, will you allow me to use you? Will you be a part of what God is wanting to do? And can I just say, I sense in my heart and in my life, I think King's house says, yes, God, we want to be a part of what you're doing. I want you to stand to your feet all over this room right now. I'm going to ask you to do this just for a moment. In just a moment, I'm going to ask everyone in this room to bow their head. And, and here's the reason why. I don't want you to be distracted by anything going on. I believe there's people in this room this morning. Something is happening in you right now. You didn't expect it when you walked in here. But when the first song started, you felt something different. Maybe you came today because your life is in pieces. Maybe you came because your girlfriend said that's the only way she's going out with. Maybe it's the only way to have peace in your home. I don't know how. However you think you got here, God was guiding your life. 
And today, you can be born again. You can be rescued. You can be saved. You came in here one day. You can leave. One way, you can leave a brand new person here today. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ paid for your sins. It's, It's not what you do. It's what he did. All you have to do is believe and accept the love and the forgiveness of God. It's already been paid for. It's already forgiven. God's been trying to get that message to you. What what must I do? That's that's what Saul said. He became Paul, wrote two-thirds of what we call the New Testament today. What must you do? Here's what you must do. You must simply acknowledge you're a sinner. You've You've been arrogant. You've been stubborn. You've been on your high horse. You've been doing life your own way. And you admit today, I'm wrong. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And if you'll do that today, and you'll ask Jesus to rescue you, to save you, to forgive you. Just say, I receive your forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you something supernatural, just like my mom. Right where you're standing, your life is going to be changed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Now. If you are a believer, very quietly under your breath, I want you to begin to pray for people who's fixing to accept Jesus in this room. You're here this morning from the left to the right, the front to the back, and I'm talking to it's like It's like you feel like I'm looking right at you. You feel like somebody told me about your life. And today you're ready. You're ready to admit you're wrong and he's right. And today you want to be saved. If that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to say one, two, three. And when I do, when I say three, I want you to put your hand up just so I can acknowledge it. And then you can put it right back down, right where you are. I'm not, I'm not going to call you forward. Right where you are, something supernatural is about to take place in your life. So today, if you say, I want to be saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to get in on what God is doing and I want him to use me. If that's you, you've, you've never accepted Christ. Or maybe you walked away. You got hurt for some reason. You got tricked. You got tempted. But today is your day to come back. Then when I say three, put your hand up. Left to right, front to back. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Yes, 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 yes. Just leave them up just a minute. Yes, yes, I see them all on the sides, in the front, in the middle, in the back. I see it on. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Now put your hands down and in your own way. You don't even have to do it out loud, but in your own way. Will you just pray this prayer and say, Father God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. To take all of your anger and your wrath and your judgment on him so that I could be saved. Jesus, thank you for coming. I admit I'm wrong. I'm a sinner. I've been arrogant. I've been wrong. I've messed my life up. But I believe today that you died for me. I ask you now to forgive me. And I receive your love and I receive your forgiveness. And I'm not just doing this for today in church. I'm going to give the rest of my life to you. Give me that power to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, shout amen, everybody. Listen listen to me, everybody. Over 40 people just raised their hand and gave their life to Jesus Christ. Come on. The Bible says they're throwing a party in heaven right now. Now listen to me. I want to ask you one more thing. And I want to pray one more time. No heads bowed, no eyes closed. God is moving. I can't can't explain it. But we're in the midst of a divine visitation of the Spirit of God in this region. 
and God's choosing us. And you, we're not the only ones. Hey, we're not the only ones, but God has chosen to invite us into it, into his mission, into his plan. And today, if, if you would dare put yourself on the line, if you would dare say, God, I don't understand it all, but I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want you to use me. I want to see my family. I want to see my friends. I want to see my co-workers come to Jesus. God, I want to be a part of what you're doing in this part of Oklahoma and around the world. If that's you, will you just throw your hand up in the air right now all over this building? Just throw it up. And as you do, bow your head. As you lift it, bow your head. Bow your head. Father God, I pray for every man and woman in the king's house. I pray for every husband, every wife, every mother, every father. I pray for every household. I pray that the presence of God in response, God, they're responding to you. And as they respond to you, respond to them. Where they're standing right now with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you have a way to communicate to them that they'll understand. You have a way to touch them that they will know they've been touched by your presence. God, when they leave this place, remind them. When they lay down to go to bed tonight, remind them. Holy Spirit, tomorrow when they get up, remind them. And let this be the beginning of what God is doing in the King's house in McAllister and to the uttermost parts of the world. I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen and give God a great big praise. Amen. Isn't God good, King's House? Take a seat really quick. I want to share something on my heart for, I promise, just two to three minutes. My wife's in nursery, and she's going to be mad if I talk for much longer than that. But there's just something I just, the Lord's laying on my heart, and I just want to share it with you as a church body. Uh, we had a really powerful worship retreat this weekend. And Friday night, God was just moving in that little room that we were in, and the Holy Spirit spoke something very clear and very precise to me, and I just want to share it with you this morning. The Holy Spirit very clearly said, Mark, I want you to resign. Now, some of you don't get too excited. I'm not resigning the king's house, okay? He said, I want you to resign your comfortability, and I want you to resign control. And I said, Holy Spirit, what, what does that mean exactly? And, and the Holy Spirit just laid on my heart that he's going to begin to, already is, and going to continue to do something very unique and very incredible here in the King's house. And the truth of the matter is, is that I'm not smart enough, that I'm not educated enough, that I'm not skilled enough, that I'm not wise enough, I'm not good enough, but he is. And so I just feel like the Holy Spirit just asking me to get out of the way. And, and Pastor Frankie shared something a couple years ago that has just, oh, uh, and, and he just keeps reminding me of this. Uh, Pastor Frankie had, had been speaking, and I believe it was the next day. I might get the story a little wrong, but you're going to get the gist of it. I, later that night or the next day, of course, he preached an incredible sermon because he's an incredible communicator. Can I get an amen? He is. And the Holy Spirit said, oh, Pastor Frankie, what a, what a great word that was today. And he's like, oh, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you. Man, that was a really great church service, Frankie. Oh, th thank you, Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said this. He says, you are so good at church that you can do it with or without me. In King's House, I, I fear that sometimes we can be so good at having church that we can do it with or without the Holy Spirit. And I never, ever want to be guilty of that one more single day again in my entire life. I've been in church every Sunday for 37 years. I know how to talk. I know the lingo. I know how to make you laugh. I know how to make you cry. I know how to sing pretty songs. But what I don't know how to do and what I never can do is have the Holy Spirit break chains off your life, revolutionize marriages, cause giftings and callings to come alive. I, I can't do those things. But he absolutely can. He absolutely can. So... Uh, the word for this year is real. 
And we had four weeks of me challenging you to be a follower instead of a fan. And this morning, the Holy Spirit's challenging me to be a follower instead of a fan. So I just want to stand before you publicly this morning. And church might look a little different moving forward. And I don't know what all that means. And I don't know what all the Holy Spirit uh, has in store or has in plans for us. But I know this morning your pastor is saying, yes, Holy Spirit. Whatever it is you want to do, whatever it is you want to say, I'm letting go of control. And wherever you lead us, Holy Spirit, that's where this church is going to go, wherever he leads us. Thank you, thank you. Would you pray with me, King's House? Oh, Jesus, we love you this morning. I am just so incredibly overwhelmed, and I am so incredibly blessed. God, what you've done these past two and a half years has been nothing short of miraculous. No one could ever take credit for what you've done in this place. And God, I, I just... I'm more confident today than I ever have been that you didn't do that. Uh, just It wasn't a coincidence or it wasn't just a happenstance. But God, long before we ever got involved, you had a plan and you had a purpose for this king's house, for this body of believers. God, the way you've healed it, the way you've, you've rebuilt it. God, it wasn't just for no reason. God, you have a divine plan and a divine purpose for this body of believers to see real change, to see real revival happen in this city and in this region, and I believe in this nation. So Holy Spirit, just this morning as a corporate body, we surrender control. We surrender our comfortability, and we just place this, this your church in your hands and say, God, wherever you want to take us, whatever you want to do, we're going to follow. We say yes to you this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody in the King's House said, give him some praise one more time. I love you, King's House. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you are in need of prayer or wish to speak to one of our pastors, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you'd like to give towards the ministry of The King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church slash giving, or by texting any dollar amount to the number 84321 and respond to the prompts sent back to you. If you're ever in our area and want to come visit us, we meet every week at 124 B. Hubert Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit with us ahead of time where you can reserve your seats and parking spots and even pre-check in your kids before you arrive on the Sunday of your choosing. Just fill out that quick form at thekingshouse.church slash plan your visit. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all of our latest messages. We look forward to seeing you very soon.